Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Your host is Michelle Beck. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, thrivers, their friends and family by providing resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here is your host, Michelle Beck. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Thanks for joining us today. My name is Michelle Beck. I'm a two-time nine-year survivor of breast cancer. I'm the patient programs assistant at Breast Friends, and when I have time, I write at a blog called I Never Liked Pink. Before we get started with our amazing guests, I wanted to remind listeners out there that I'm going to be putting together Warrior Stories episodes. Email me at michellebeck at breastfriends.org with your stories of inspiration, what helped you through your cancer journey, or how your life has changed for the better since cancer. Submissions should be approximately five minutes long and in your own words. So let's get started. I'm so excited to introduce our guests today, Amy Dials and Steph Lejeunesse. French, by the way. Good job on pronunciation. <laughs> yes, <laughs> very good job. Hello. Of, hello. They are the hosts of the Cancer for Breakfast podcast. I heard about the podcast and I knew I had to have them both here on the show because I just love what they're doing. These women have taken their cancer stories and they share their darkest fears, realizations, entertain us answer questions, connect with everyone out there. And they also have a really cool segment called Rats, which has an amazing theme song. So when this is over, you have to go go find the podcast and listen to the Rats theme song. And Rats is Recent Advances in Treatment and Science. And they do that every week, mostly every week during the podcast. So welcome to both of you ladies. I'm so excited and looking forward to having you here. But tell us where why you started this podcast? Well, I was newly diagnosed and a mutual friend introduced Amy to me as kind of a cancer doula. (laughs) (laughs) And um, we just like hit it off in a major way. And um, I think Amy and I are both natural kind of creators. And we started almost immediately joking like, oh, we've got to write a book. Oh, we've got to do this or that. And then Amy, I think, was the one that was like, let's make a podcast. Yeah. And when we started joking about making a podcast, it became real and we were recording within like three days. It yeah. was like organically came out of nowhere as a joke. And then Steph was like, I actually have all this gear. And I was like, well, maybe I could just order some. And then I mentioned it to my husband and he was like, I have all of that. I have a mic, I have a mixer, I have, you know? And so suddenly we were just doing episode one and it, it really took off. Yeah. I love that. And I think now by the time this airs, you will have 17 episodes, if that is correct. And fun fact, you two live in different cities mm-hmm. for an odd 300 plus miles of 400 miles away from each other and have never met in person. <laughs> Which I think is super fun because, unfortunately, that's the way our world has been for the past 15 months, especially. Yeah. And technology has allowed us to do amazing things like this. So good on you. I love that. Hopefully, we'll get to meet sometime in, like, the next month or so, I think. But the first time we ever even spoke was on episode one. Because <laughs> we were we just texted for months. And then yeah. when we decided to do the podcast instead of jumping on the phone to talk about it. I said, wouldn't it be great if the first time we ever even hear ourselves speak to each other would be doing this, you know, like maybe it'll flop or maybe it'll be great, but it turned out to be great though. Right. Yeah, I mean, like did. we have a really good chemistry and a really good, easy back and forth, which I'm so grateful for because it has not been a struggle at all to connect. And I feel like people get that and feel that coming through our podcast. Oh, Definitely. I, yeah. I would have never known. I've, I listened to probably, I don't know, multiple episodes. And then Amy had finally told me, yeah, we've actually never met. I was like, no way. <laughs> we joke a lot about how, um, like when we finally do meet, we're going to have to do some kind of like elaborate thing, like military dad coming home type <laughs> yeah. scenario. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Take a, a YouTube video. It'll be like a lost dog that hasn't seen his family in two years. And then, <laughs> No, you totally, you totally have to have your partners tape it and put it, put it on your Instagram channel, which by the way, at Instagram, you can find these fun ladies at uh, Cancer for Breakfast. So follow them because they're super fun. Um, but let's kind of dig into 
what brought you together was our cancer stories. Um, Amy, let's go first since you were diagnosed first. Can you tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit about what you went through? Yeah. So I was diagnosed in October of 2019 and I ended up being diagnosed with stage two B estrogen positive, HER2 negative. Um, I had no node involvement and, um, based on the size of my tumor, which ended up being a little bit larger than they originally anticipated. Um, we opted for chemo and radiation and now I'm doing Zolodex shots to put me in fake menopause. And oh, loved, love that menopause. We talk about it on the podcast uh-huh. and I'm on an AI and I actually finished treatment exactly a year ago today. Day. I just my last day. Oh no, I lied. It was tomorrow. Shoot. <laughs> That's what Darn it. does to us. <laughs> it's funny. I am four years out from finishing treatment and I used to think, oh my gosh, I'll remember these dates forever. Mm-hmm. I can barely remember the years where I was diagnosed. I'm like, yep, sometime in late 2012 and early 2017, yeah. there was a snowstorm involved in Christmas lights. That's literally <laughs> all I can remember because the lack of estrogen has killed my brain. I know. Isn't mm-hmm. it awful? Yeah, I think I just remember because my treatment actually was eight months to the day of diagnosis to my last day of radiation. And so it kind of stuck with me as like, cause you know, when you're doing it, you're like, how long is this going to take? And they're like, we don't know. And you're like, but is it going to be four months or is it going to be 19 months? And they're like, I really can't tell you. And at least that's how my oncologist was, which is true. Like once you get going in it, you're like, they make up the next part of your treatment based on the tests they take or, you know, they... so for my story, it was eight months and that was that, but yeah. And so now, you know, it's been, a year and I guess this year has kind of been me just dealing with the being done with treatment and you know it's like done with treatment moving on into survivorship which is a whole nother ball of wax it really is which we don't really learn about you know they don't they're our doctors and and medical professionals are wonderful because they treat us and they work on dealing with the cancer and then for you Amy once you are quote unquote done with treatment it's like they just ship you off into the world and then you're like what now yeah and also I think with breast cancer at least when you are being diagnosed with an early stage cancer uh you think by the time okay they said that this is curable and by the time I'm done with treatment I'm gonna know I'm cured and that will be that but then you realize as you get go through it you know that they don't just do a blood test at the end and say, great, or, you know, throw you in a scanning machine and say, we did it. Yay. It's, it's like, okay, well, we did all the things statistically that should statistically be in your favor, but let's just wait and see if it worked, you know? And so that's really hard to grapple with when definitely. So when you've been, when you've been through this and yeah, I know when I finished treatment my second time around, I was like, okay, so I can't do mammograms now because I've had a bilateral mastectomy with reconstruction. How do, how do, what, how do we check? How do we know that there's nothing going on? And they're like, oh, well, you come in every six months and, and we feel you. And, you know, depending on how you're feeling, like, that's it. That, that's all you do. <laughs> well, yeah. and you have to, like, mortgage your right arm to get an ultrasound, it yeah. feels like. You can't just skip the hoops mm-hmm. knowing what the outcome is going to be that your doctor's probably going to recommend an ultrasound for anything suspicious that they find. You still got to go through the feel up and the, you know, for people who haven't had reconstruction, you know, do the mammogram and stuff. It just adds so much to the stress. I feel like of survivorship. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also there's such a, like a waiting period when something is uncomfortable on your body. That's something that I think you don't realize in treatment too, because you're so focused on going to chemo and the effects of chemo and the immediate obviously so why would you be thinking about this but once you're done you realize like huh my arm kind of hurts why is my arm hurting and then a week later my arm still hurts is something wrong is there cancer in my bones in my arm and then you know it takes weeks to actually know if something's hurting you enough to tell your doctor and then it might take weeks to actually get a scan and then by then whatever was hurting you might have just gone away or you find out it's not, or you find out it is, but 
the weeks in between that original pain you feel somewhere in your body to getting that scan are just you staying up at night worrying and being so scared. You know, it's just you, medical trauma is so real and it's not just. And PTSD you know, causing. And yeah. I just I just finished listening to the my chart episode and I was dying laughing because <laughs> I've I actually logged into my my chart I'm like do I have anything because I just had I went in for an appointment my six month checkup last week and had a blood test and and all that and I'm like oh my god they haven't posted anything yet like is is something wrong are they waiting to tell me but then I'm like oh no they would put it in there and I would have to figure it out all on my own. <laughs> We have so much to say about my chart and the CARES <laughs> mm-hmm. Act and how they just mm-hmm. drop the info in on you with no yeah. care for your tender heart. <laughs> yeah. So listeners, I think that's episode seven, seven or eight. So definitely listen to all of them. But that one is if you have issues with your, your my chart, check that one out. But um, <laughs> so Steph, let's or sorry. Yeah, let's Steph, let's talk about where you're at. Well, I was diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer de novo in September of 2020, and I actually had a bumpy road to that diagnosis, but um, I have actually responded really well to treatment. And it's so interesting to me how before you are diagnosed with cancer, you don't really have a great grasp on all the different roads and the different treatments and what they look like you just assume chemo, radiation, surgery, you know, some combination of those three things. And um, it's a weird place to be where I feel not lucky to have metastatic breast cancer, obviously, but I've had a relatively easy time as far as treatment goes. I have not had surgery. I've not had chemo. I have not had radiation. My cancer is currently being managed with oral meds and a monthly shot. Um, I do take an AI also, I get a Lupron injection and then I take, uh, I take abemocyclib, which is the medication that's managing my cancer and it's all working really well. Um, but you know, it was a, a really hard thing to wrap my brain around being diagnosed. For yeah. one thing, I had, um, an initial diagnosis of early stage breast cancer, which, um, was kind of traumatic and made it really hard for me to trust the medical system kind of going forward. But um, I ended up, you know, in really great hands. I have wonderful, a wonderful care team. And, um, you know, I, I do feel really confident. And it's just, it's interesting to me, you know, knowing Amy and how much we've talked about her treatment and um, just how different it can be. I, I had no idea what metastatic cancer, breast cancer would look like before this. I just assumed it was kind of like you get stage four cancer and then you steadily decline until you die. But that's not really it. You know, for a lot of us, it's a chronic condition that we live with for quite a while. And yes, you know, chronic condition, but you're living with it. And in one of the episodes recently that I heard, you had some really great test results and scan results that one of your large tumors, which was over 16 centimeters, I believe. Um, yeah. Because you have not, um, oh gosh, it's the, tell me the, the type again, that it was not the ductal, it's the. It's um, lobular. Yeah. I have invasive lobular, lobular carcinoma, which is the less popular one. <laughs> um, <laughs> If you had to choose, it's, it's not exclusive, that one. though, Steph. It's exclusive. You're That's in a special right. club. <laughs> the lucky 10%. Um, but yeah, I mean, my primary tumor was originally diagnosed as about four centimeters with minimal node involvement. And it turned out to be over 16 centimeters mm-hmm. with extensive node involvement. And then I have METs to my bones um, in many places. But yeah, my scan results are... Um, something that I'm still kind of getting used to believing. Like I've been on this first line treatment for about six months. And um, my most recent scans showed that all of my bone mets are healed. Basically. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no uptake. For that one. I know. Right. It's, there's it's no crazy. Uptake. No uptake. And um, my primary tumor, my lymph nodes showed us clear. My primary tumor is down to 1.4 centimeters. So like, wow, that is modern amazing. medicine, y'all. You, I mean, and I, I jokingly call myself like a cancer unicorn because I've had two primary occurrences, but not had chemo. Yeah. And because they were both caught so early for so you, great. you, you are labeled metastatic, 
However, yeah. no surgery, no chemo, no radiation and having positive results. Like you are a poster child for the treatments. And that, that is just, that's amazing. I love that. Yeah. I've been just, just so lucky. Oh, it just shows how treatment is changing. Like how this is mm-hmm. what they're doing now. They're finding that like this medication for some people can work so well that to stop the ability to take the medication, to have the surgeries and do the mastectomies and all that stuff um, isn't always the first go-to. Right. Which yeah. was totally crazy when we were trying to wrap our head around it when Steph was figuring out her plan. Like, what do you mean she's not going to get the surgery to get it out of her? Right. It was like, are you secretly just putting me out to pasture here? Like, is this like, is it, is it so bad? They just, yeah, there's no hope. Just take some, just take some pills and a shot. You'll be fine. (laughs) Come look at this beautiful garden behind the hospital. (laughs) What was that? Um, so one thing, oh gosh, we're gonna have to take a break here in just a second, but, um, I want you, I want you to think about this next question. Cause I am 100% an over sharer. I think uh-huh. if anything mm-hmm. will help other people, it's not off limits. I imagine you guys feel the same way. Oh yes. Yes, I do. Yeah. Cause you know, going through something like this, there's so much to talk about, but mm-hmm. we are going to continue talking when we get back from our break. So please stay with us and we'll be back shortly. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444. Or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. I'm Michelle Beck, and we've been talking with Amy and Steph host of the Cancer for Breakfast podcast, which I love. It's my new favorite. So I think I mentioned this before. I think you're about 17 episodes in. How's it going so far? Like, are you guys enjoying it? Is it meet everything you ever dreamed of? (laughs) (laughs) It's going really well. Um, And for the most part, it's just been word of mouth. Um, We did get like one very nice write-up in the Portland Monthly when we launched, but other than that, like we haven't really even sent out any sort of like a press release or done, done much. Um, but every week, you know, we see our numbers and they're just, you know, climbing exponentially and just more people are contacting us. And it's, it's just really had this really nice organic growth that feels great because it means, I guess people are listening to it and telling mm-hmm. their friends that they, you know, and so totally. on and so on. Yes. Yeah. And it's also just so fun to do with Amy. Like we get to have this weekly long video chat and it's just, (laughs) it's so nice to make something with somebody who is so capable. And like, I don't know, I'm one of those people who hated group projects in school because I would just be like, give me your phone numbers and I'll tell you when it's ready to turn in. Oh, me too. Um, Because no one can do it as well as I can. So I might as well just do it all myself. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. We're both Virgos. Uh, in the extreme, but she's so reliable and smarter than me about so many things, which I value so extremely. And so it's just been lovely working together and like 
hanging out with my girlfriend to make this cool podcast. Yeah, it's really fun. I feel like Steph is, um, I think you are better organizing your thoughts and there's just so much more clarity when you're explaining something. And we were going to just switch off with our rat segment where we present some new um, advancement in treatment and science. Mm -hmm. Um, But then Steph is just like, as I'm doing right now where I can't speak. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't work very well when you're trying to explain like (laughs) what's going on with like a new study about brain cancer. Um, So I read the letters because you know, I do excel more at, not, not more than stuff, but in more, that's like no, my it's best true. quality. No, it's socializing. Take credit for it. And, yeah. Um, no, no, no. <laughs> so we've, we've kind of split the show a little bit like that where you have different letters. strengths. Yeah. Because uh, different yeah, strengths. So like, the same. yeah, different. Yeah. I love that. I've decided that I actually, in, in my next life, I want to be, um, I want to do voiceovers and I want to read books. I really want to write my own book because I want to, I want to do the audio recording because I love it. It just makes me happy, like to be talking and, and being able to do the different voices and the inflection. And yeah, so I love that. That's one thing I love about doing the podcast. Um, and I'm sure you could I suggest that you do that in this current life. Oh my gosh. If (laughs) so what kind of feedback have you been getting on the podcast? (laughs) Only good. Only good. (laughs) Well, and I love that. (laughs) Now I'm like on, I'm totally like on, on point and I can't think of anything. I listen to one of my favorite podcasts is wine and crime and they're from, from Minnesota and they do, you know, all kinds of voices and stuff. And, in, in my deepest desires, I would like to do that one day. But, um, and so you're getting letters from people who are listening mm-hmm. and they're writing in about their journeys and sharing on the podcast, which is just awesome. It is awesome. And it's so cool, I think, to hear from the whole gamut of experiences. Like, we didn't set out to be just a breast cancer podcast, even though that's me and Amy, that we're breast cancer people. But, mm-hmm. you know, we've had people write in with thyroid cancer and with lymphoma and, um, parents of kids who have cancer and Mm -hmm. like neuroblastomas and stuff. And it's really mind blowing, like the whole range of experiences that people have within this big umbrella of like shitty cancer stuff, you know, like, exactly. I love hearing all of those different experiences. Community is like such an important thing to me. And I know it is to Amy too. And so it's just like super rad to connect with all of these folks have them tell us these super personal things and just mm-hmm. have faith that we're going to talk about them constructively. Like what? Thanks. Right. <laughs> well, they're, they're letting you share their story and they're trusting you. So you've mm-hmm. already built up that rapport with your listeners that they're connecting and they're finding the support they need from you guys, which is huge. That's, that's one thing that drew me to the organization that I work at is we're there to support and yeah. you know, primarily focused on breast cancer because that was the, you know, that's just how it started, but we definitely do try to help other cancers as well. And if you, it's a whole nother world of people that understand, they understand Mm -hmm. and they get it. And I have a wonderful support system, family, friends, but unless they have been there, they don't understand what I'm the intricacies of what it is. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one, something that's so great about your podcast. Um, We also, Oh, sorry. Can no, I go ahead and say one quick thing? We also kind of talk a lot about how with other cancer people, and we always just call them cancer people. We call ourselves cancer people on the <laughs> podcast. So, um, with other cancer people, you don't have to manage their emotions around your cancer the way that you do with mm-hmm. your close friends and your family. Um, and also, I think that people that don't have cancer you know, they either really tiptoe around things, which has a heaviness to it that you just can feel the thickness in the room of like this white elephant or whatever, Mm -hmm. or they are as heavy as an elephant and come in with just like things that, you know, like, so like, is this going to kill you? You know, like saying just things you're like, why did you say it like that? Um, Because they they don't know. They have no idea. They don't know. They're good intentioned. And, yeah. you know, they care, but it's, they just don't get it. Yeah. 
Totally. And I think a lot of people haven't maybe found their cancer community yet, or maybe they're afraid to go to a support group because they're at a point in their treatment where, you know, they're, they're just scared of, of cancer, you know? And I think we've heard feedback from people writing in saying, Oh, it feels like I'm just hanging out with like two of my best friends when I listen to your podcast. Um, or the, one of the best, uh, emails we got was somebody saying like, I've been binging your podcast during chemo and it like feels yes. like I have friends with me. And I was like, Oh, that is just like, we will keep doing this. You know, <laughs> I love it. Um, Amy, one thing you talked about, um, you guys, I love it. You named your, your, you had a whole episode, each of you about your diagnosis. They were the Amisode and the Stephisode, which yep. <laughs> I love that. Um, so Amy, in yours, you talked about how you felt a lump while you were breastfeeding and then waited another 13 months before it really came back. Mm-hmm. At, or, you know, you really felt it again. And I really, I appreciated your discussion about that, the timing and how it happened. You can't change it and it's mm-hmm. best to move forward and your one of your practitioners, I believe, said it was caught early, even though it was 13 months later, but it had early because it hadn't spread anywhere. Yeah. So I waited 13 months because my doctor waited 13 months, which happens a lot where people um, come to their practitioner with a question or a concern and then are told like, oh, that's nothing. And I was breastfeeding and I brought the lump to my doctor as I was going in for my six-week postpartum appointment after having my daughter and showed her the lump. And she said, that's just normal breastfeeding, no big deal. And I was so scared to ask her about it when she just said, no. I mean, I could still hear her voice and the way she said it in my head. I was like, no, no, it's it's just breastfeeding, you know. And I was so relieved that I just completely said okay great and didn't question her I didn't say well, well I should go see another doctor I just we, said we, tr- oh, we trust our, our doctors and yeah. and in there and I'm I know she at the she was doing the right thing based on her professional opinion I totally understand that and and it's great to be able to like okay it's nothing we're just going to move on and I've got this wonderful daughter and I'm breastfeeding yeah. so we're going to focus on that and so, I did and I didn't even really think about it and I didn't check it wasn't like every week I was feeling it saying oh it's still there maybe I should check with her I really I just you know, your boobs are weird when you're breastfeeding. You don't really like go around just feeling yourself up constantly. You know, like I didn't want like to just be spraying milk across the room constantly <laughs> as I'm seeing if this lump that is apparently fine is still there. And so, yeah, my daughter bit me 13 months later and I felt where she bit me and that lump was there just clear as day and my heart just sunk. I just knew that something was not right. And, but yeah, it's a lot to, to, have to deal with knowing that god if would i not have had to do chemo would it have been dcis like non-invasive like stage zero cancer at that point um what would have been different in in this story in that case and what would it have been like as a mother of a six-week-old going through cancer treatment versus where i was at you know like to quit breastfeeding at that moment when my daughter was 14 and a half, whatever, however old that 14 and a half months old, I guess she was okay to quit breastfeeding at that time. But I mean, God, that would have been just so hard. And that happens all the time to women. I mean, younger mom Mm -hmm. or older moms, first time moms are getting diagnosed and we're having children later in life. And it's just, it's just a more common thing. And I don't know, it's a bummer, but catching it early means before it is moved if you can catch it early of course you want to but early might mean six years or early might mean six months you know like it just really depends on how fast your cancer is moving and some of them are real slow mm-hmm. mine and was not real slow but it had gotten quite huge but I like to joke that it was just so happy in my boob just getting <laughs> huge and all the milk ducks just flowing around and it's like why would we go anywhere else this is like a wonderful garden in here we're getting everything we need well and you you made the decision that was right for you at the time I I had a very I mean not similar but I I had my own cancer journey I watched my grandmother pass away from breast cancer she ended up passing from metastatic cancer 
after having one mastectomy and then a few years later, another mastectomy. And then it came back in, in her chest and she was 75 and she lived a, a good life, but still it's, it's, you know, always too soon. But in watching that, I had always said, oh my gosh, if this ever happens to me, I'm just going to lop them off right away. I don't need them. I don't want them, but man, it happened and I couldn't do it. I, mm-hmm. my, it, my, I was stage one. It was early. It wasn't aggressive. Mm-hmm. My son was 18 months at the time. And I was like, wow, I just, I didn't want to go through that extensive surgery and the healing process with my son. So I chose a lumpectomy radiation and then I moved mm-hmm. on and I really moved on. Like I, yes, I took tamoxifen, but life was okay. And you know, I was just living yeah. my life. And then four years later, I had a new primary occurrence in my other breast. And my joke was that that breast felt left out. So it was now like, <laughs> hey, pick me, pick me. Um, and so at that point, I went, you know, did all, did all the things. But looking back on it, it was the right decision for me at the time. I couldn't, you know, I, it's, it is what it is. And I, I beat myself up about it for a little bit. But then I'm like, no, let's just move on. And it's just figuring out what is, you know, it's, it's hard. Cause I remember going into the oncologist and they're like, okay, these are your options. I'm like, I don't want options. Tell me what I need to do. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and they just, they don't do that. And unless it's very aggressive and high mm-hmm. stage and they say, you need to do this, but I just didn't, I didn't want them to tell me what to do, <laughs> and, but you really have to be your own advocate, which leads me back to Steph because you, you talk about it in this episode where you had went to a small cancer center close to your house mm-hmm. and I'll let you dig into it, but you made some changes after that. <laughs> I sure did. It was, um, I, you know, I only live about an hour North of Seattle and I thought that it would be fine to first start at my local hospital where they only have an oncologist, you know, and um, what was actually really interesting about it is the woman who did my initial um, radiology, she did the ultrasound, she did the biopsy. She's actually a person that I know socially. And um, so she was the one who took the biopsy and I felt lucky at the time to be able to say, Hey, can you like give it to me straight? What does this look like? And she was like, yeah, it looks like, you know, like pretty small and like maybe a couple of iffy lymph nodes, but like definitely not bad. And so then I went to the oncologist with this information and he kind of reiterated that it looked early stage, very manageable. He said, probably, you know, lumpectomy, maybe chemo radiation. And That's what I took as fact, but then I also am only an hour away from several world-class cancer facilities. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to go for a second opinion. And that second opinion ended up being drastically different. Um, They had ordered a PET scan at the small hospital, which I got, and they just missed all kinds of stuff. And so when I went to this appointment in Seattle, my oncologist said, hey, we have a very different read on what's happening in your body than I'm seeing you heard from these other doctors. And it was shocking and terrible. Like, I can't even imagine, you know, looking back, it was, there's no other word to describe it than just complete and utter shock to be told, like, you thought you had early stage breast cancer, but actually it's metastatic and like it's extensive and um, it's not curable and we're going to do the best we can, but like we can't rely on these original scans. We can't rely on this other stuff you've had done because these don't seem like reliable practitioners. Um, And so I had to go back for more PET scans and MRIs and all, all these kinds of things. And like I said before, I feel so lucky to be in such capable hands in Seattle, but it also was really hard to then buy into this whole medical (laughs) system where I'm like, okay, can I trust you? Are you the person that knows what they're doing? Mm -hmm. Um, It was just, it was really tough and it's taken me a little while to recover from that, but. Oh yeah. um, It had to be incredibly traumatic. Yeah, it was wild. Um, But you know, I mean, People make mistakes, I guess. I don't really know what to say. I had uh, my first lumpectomy. My 
cancer was so small they missed it with the the wire the wire localization mm. where they go in with the wire and they they tapped a um uh a fibroid or something else in my I can't it's not the right word but something in my breast that wasn't cancer and that's what they removed in my first lumpectomy uh. so then a month later I had to go back in and have another lumpectomy <laughs> good uh. time. But yeah. anyway, I know always be your own advocate and get second opinions if you need it, but we are going to take another quick break and stay with us. We'll be back soon with these amazing ladies. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast friends need your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444 or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the show. I'm Michelle Beck, and I've been talking with Amy and Steph, host of the Cancer for Breakfast podcast, which is my new favorite thing to binge. Um, so for the podcast, how do you guys decide what to talk about? Where do you where do you get the inspiration? Oh, I mean, I think that we sometimes come to record and right before we press record, one of us will say, you know, I had an appointment and this weird thing happened. Should we talk about that? Or, you know, and then the other one will say yes, or let's save that for next week. And then maybe that next week we might build a whole episode around whatever that might've been. Or we'll add that into the beginning of the show and then um, go. But I don't know. What do you think, Steph? We get letters that sometimes drive the theme of the show. Um, Sometimes people will write in with stuff that we've kind of been talking about, but hadn't fully fleshed out an idea for a show. Mm -hmm. And then we get that letter and it's like, oh, this is this is the angle. This is what we need to talk about. Um, And I think that's a really cool thing about our podcast and about our community is like, we don't pretend to be experts. We just really want to have people drive the conversation in a way that's meaningful for the whole, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's so much to talk about. Like, we never run out of things to talk about. Or, I mean, wait till episode 22, I guess. But like, <laughs> so far, I mean, we still have a, a ton of ideas that we want to cover. Um, and we've covered tons of stuff like we just did drinking after a diagnosis because so many people have so much guilt with that there's so much confusion with the statistics about how dangerous it is um living is dangerous I know exactly yeah and you know what so I'm not gonna give up a cocktail or a glass of wine every now and then sorry right just not gonna do it that was kind of what we arrived at also Mm -hmm. (laughs) but also I do get the guilt and I get the confusion about it because Mm -hmm. I mean, Steph brings up like how the statistics are regarding drinking, right? And when somebody yeah. says that you have it, it raises your risk 30% or something. I mean, that's just a number I'm saying. Right. It's like 30% above your risk isn't necessarily a 30% risk, right? So, like, yeah, yeah. 30% more than 8% is not 38%. It's yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, it's. I definitely enjoy my cocktail every now and then because life is hard. 
Yeah. <laughs> There's just no it way around hard. it. As long as it doesn't mess with my anxiety medication. That's very important. Right. I know. That's the other thing. And you're taking a million meds too, right? Yeah, it's hard. But we've had all sorts of, of topics. We did a Mother's Day episode. Nice. Um, there are just so many things I think that we deal with that don't get talked about candidly. And so... Mm-hmm. There's just a never ending list of things like spirituality and just there's there there are so many things to plumb as younger, relatively younger people mm-hmm. to the cancer community and um, and moms and mm-hmm. non-experts and people who aren't super into the whole like pink ribbon mm-hmm. warrior prayer yep. hands emoji vibe you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah it's finding there's so many different paths for everyone I when I was diagnosed I I fully went with the pink because Mm -hmm. I'm like why not uh I have I have a pink ribbon tattoo with with the boxing gloves on it from fighting yeah um because that's something that I embraced and I made it my own but it is not for everybody it's you know the the cancer community is made up of so many different things and it's just I, I really appreciate that you guys are taking it and making it about so many different things. But one thing I, I did want to ask about really quick, I love your logo for the show. It's their um, sketches of the two of you, which are very realistic, by the way. I love them. But then in the back, <laughs> there is a car on fire in between you. <laughs> so can we talk about that a little bit? Cause it's super fun. Um, yeah, my husband is a graphic designer. He is also a middle, middle school teacher who teaches graphic design. And um, Amy and I came up with all of these other logo ideas that we kind of cycled mm-hmm. through for a while. And then finally, we were like, oh, should we just have Nathan draw us or something? I think it was Amy's idea, right? Well, I didn't realize what an amazing artist he was. Like, I knew he did graphic design stuff. And then you sent me just different styles that he had done. And said, what if we just had him do this? Because, you know, we can't take a picture together. We, we have yeah. not him in the same room. <laughs> and then, so when, once we settled on the style we wanted him to do and that he was going to do this, Steph was like, send me some photos of you to give to him. So I just went through my, you know, any old pictures I could find and started sending them. And, you know, I was like, oh, this one's nice. And like this angle or like, should we be more serious? And then I jokingly sent one of me actually standing in front of a burning vehicle that <laughs> I had taken. <laughs> it's actually like on my Instagram back in like many years ago. But um, but yeah, we had driving home from the coast got stopped by a burning vehicle and we were the first car to stop before the fire engines even come. And everyone was fine, but these two brothers were out of the car watching their car burn up. And I said, you guys, let me just take a picture of you in front of this. I know it sounds awful now, but you're going to appreciate this someday. And they laughed and said, okay. So, you know, I took one of them and then they took one of me or my friend took one of me just for fun. And, but it kind of is a little bit badass looking. And so then we, I just sent it to stuff as a joke, but then we actually were like, Hey, what if we actually did this? Because it well, is it's kind such, of like a, yeah, it's such a perfect metaphor for cancer oh, and like yeah. walking away from the car fire. Right. Like, still might be an explosion, but <laughs> yeah. And it's like, awesome. did we burn it down or like, did somebody burn our car? Like who fucking knows, you know? It's just like, exactly. I'm fairly, I'm fairly certain I was behind you on that road. It was like four summers ago. And literally <laughs> we were trying to get home from Lincoln city or Newport or something with all my stepkids and my son. And literally we sat on the highway trying to get it for like three hours because oh we stuck. so I, I yeah. appre- but I appreciate the car on fire metaphor. That's awesome. <laughs> um, Amy, you had mentioned spirit or Steph, you had just mentioned spirituality as one of your topics. And that was one of your early episodes. And I really appreciated it because there was something that Amy mentioned called the death cafe. And mm-hmm. which if you could talk about that for a second, I think it was so cool because death is something that we just don't talk about. And especially in the cancer community, once we're diagnosed, no matter, no matter what our prognosis is, it's, it just brings it to the forefront. So is the death cafe still around or tell us, tell us about that. Um, I think so. And I think it's a national organization um, that, that holds these meetings. They definitely have a Portland chapter, but it's just like a monthly or I don't actually know if it's monthly or when they do it, but they just invite people to come and they tell you not to bring a friend or anyone, you know, just come alone. And then they pair you with a table of other people that show up. And then you just have a really frank conversation about death with the facilitator. 
And I, I just happened to go to it before I was even diagnosed, you know? So, but in our, in that particular episode that I think we called the death mansion, did we, is that what we called it? Death, secret death mansion. Something like that. It, yeah. it was in a mansion. As you do in mansion, the haunted mansion from Disneyland. <laughs> but, right. Know, really death. But it's interesting though. I think that was like one of our episodes that was the least downloaded. I think it was because. Yeah, nobody wants to talk about death. But I think it's really scary, especially if you're like newly diagnosed and you don't know what we're going to say in that episode. But it also is something we need to talk about. And we recently were going to record. uh, Well, I'm not going to tell you what we're going to record because we're still going to do it. (laughs) But it is hard to find the right way to make it feel safe to have these discussions because Mm -hmm. I mean, like Jesus is like, that's what sucks about this shit is like, yeah, we're all grappling with the severity of what cancer means and can mean and might mean and will mean for many of us and it's really scary to talk about but it it's part of it I it's don't know, important Steph, to what talk do you about think? yeah I mean I'm kind of a spooky bitch so I I can get down with <laughs> with the death stuff I um I really love alternative like burial practices mm-hmm. and things like that I mean I'm obviously not super stoked on thinking about my own death. And I still definitely have the whole fear spiral thing about like imagining my funeral and like Mm -hmm. Amy and I joke about that. Well, not joke, but like we've both had the same vision of like, who's going to be the stepmom once we're dead. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But like, I, I do think it's a really important thing to grapple with before it's staring you in the face because that gets like you don't want to be making decisions when you're in an actual existential crisis mm-hmm. and kind of trying to familiarize yourself with with what you want and what's out there and um how to talk about it and how to talk to your loved ones about it and stuff like I have no choice really as a metastatic person like I've got to make these decisions I have to like do the legal crap and everything and so why not get into the aesthetic too <laughs> Oh, I've totally, my husband and I finally, last summer, we went and fully adulted. We got our powers of, we've been together for 13 years and we finally got our powers of attorney and our guardianship for our son and our trust done. And in mine, somewhere in there, I don't, the right place, I wrote that I want to be cremated and my ashes secretly spread around Disneyland. And, um, (laughs) Don't say that. They'll ban you. (laughs) Apparently it's called code grandma. It's a real thing where they have to like shut down the stuff. But so I've I've talked. Yeah. So we've we've had serious discussions about this because when I, I'm going to live my life to the fullest every day. And when I go, I want to be in the happiest place on earth. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Do you have like spots that you want to end up? Oh, totally. Haunted mansion, Uh um, pirates of the Caribbean and small world. I know small a little creepy, but I, I love it. Like I grew up in Southern California and it is me one too, of my, girl. Yeah. Simi Valley. Whoop, whoop. I'm from um, San Diego. <laughs> it's one of my favorite places is Disneyland. And it just makes me happy to think about that when my body is not here, some little pieces of me will still be there. See Disneyland should offer a service. Oh, totally. I, I have a great entrepreneurial brain that I like to never actually do the things I invent, but here's one. <laughs> I want 10% of this idea. If anybody does it, you pay Disneyland employees to wear beautiful necklaces that have ashes in them of people. And then if you stop working there, you give it to a different employee or whatever. Ooh. But there's some way that like the dead person gets to be at Disneyland. I like, love that. Four days yeah. a week. Trademarking, patent, patenting that, whatever that works. Perfect. I mean, we have to be realistic, Steph. We can't say something. All right, all right, all right. It'll be too expensive. <laughs> love that we're making ideas for when we're on uh, <laughs> um do you guys have a favorite episode so far Ooh, amy do you have a favorite episode um i really like and i think that this is actually a favorite of our listeners because it's been shared the most and downloaded the most but the under the bus episode mm-hmm. so we kind of did a, something that cancer people could share with their loved ones and friends about mm-hmm. things that are commonly said that are not good. Um, yeah. But in a nice way. And we joke around that, like we'll throw our loved ones under the bus with examples um, <laughs> so that you don't have to. And like, we're not mad. We just want to talk, <laughs> but I don't know. So that's a good one for just letting people know, like some of the stuff that maybe is 
not the best way of helping and some advice on how you might be able to help your loved one if they're going through a diagnosis. Or yeah. So that sounds like a super, I haven't gotten there yet. So it sounds like a super important one. What is mm-hmm. the greatest blessing that has come from your podcast? Hmm. I really love just connecting with people that I would never get a chance to meet. Like this diagnosis is so shitty and like there's so few silver linings to cancer, but Mm -hmm. the people are so weird and cool and Mm -hmm. different and like just knowing that there are folks out there who our podcast is like resonating with and having them like strangers comment on our Instagram or whatever. Amy and I are always like, do you know, like, at so-and-so because we're like, how could somebody we don't actually know be saying these nice things about us? Right. Totally. <laughs> but it's just been so cool to connect with these people who are not actually our friends already. <laughs> I don't know. It's, well, you're, you're I know I, more friends. Yeah. yeah, I like to joke. I'm like, is cool a risk factor? Because like all of these people are so damn cool and like funny. Like I think that people think cancer is so serious and it clearly is like the most serious thing. But we all still are just ourselves and we all still are laughing and joking and there's a lightness that you can still have. But of course, you can also be really serious in the same time you know and I think that that's what our podcast is constantly doing is being like vulnerable and real and then like funny and silly and you know the the opportunity to be vulnerable with randos on the internet is something I've always really loved (laughs) well you guys 100% achieved it and unfortunately we have to go but you have been so amazing thank you so much for being our guest today um Listeners, you can find them on Instagram at Cancer for Breakfast and cancerforbreakfast.com. So please follow them, like them, rate and review them with five stars only. And we're, you can hear the podcast anywhere podcasts are available. Just yes. search for Cancer for Breakfast with Amy and stuff. On all platforms. So thank you again for being here today, ladies. I'm just, now we're forever friends and maybe, uh, you Yay. know, we'll get to meet, meet each other too when you guys meet each other. <laughs> yes. Thank you for having us. Yes. So listeners, if you would like to nominate yourself to be a guest or submit a warrior story to me, or you could send it to these Cancer for Breakfast ladies as well, um, do so. But we'll be back next week. And until then, remember, we rise by lifting each other. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Please join Michelle Beck again next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We rise by lifting each other.